My name is Kebohem, and this is Epiphany. Amata meiva Kebohem ni alojava akatahengi. Fifty-three Porakol, 1865. Today was the last day of the trial, and we only just saw Liga's testimony. Liga dressed the most formally out of all who gave testimonies, actually, in a yellow men's haukaptu with puffed fabric at the elbows. The embroidery, predominantly gray and amber, reminded me of a harvest I saw in the third room when I was a child. It looked altogether too warm, but Ler white eyeliner and the banded gray and yellow face paint over the bridge of Ler nose hadn't started to run. It must have been waterproof. Lee sat with Ler dark hands neatly folded on the table, the tips of Ler index fingers twitching slightly. A copper medallion inscribed with prayers to Yildegad dangled from Ler neck. Lee had red eyes, so Lee'd removed the contacts. Hiding those eyes wouldn't have made anyone in the audience sympathetic given the questions, though. The interrogator asked Lim to describe the situation from the beginning, and Liga did. It first came to our attention several weeks ago. A woman I know, a Kahinitangi, who will also testify, I believe, Lee overheard a disturbing conversation on the sky rail. We tried to engage with Lim in the best way we could, but faced some limitations due to the legal issues surrounding gathering evidence without police authorization. There was no real way forward. I deeply regret. Is the collective even capable of regret? At the interruption, Liga tapped her fingers twice on the table before Lee continued. Lee became intimate with Akahsehutangi so Lee could gather more information on our behalf. My personal limitations prevented me from managing my relationship with Lim to the best of my ability. I was under some stress. We did what we could. What is your function within the Nuamwa? I don't know how to answer that question because I'm not in the Nuamwa. Is it important? Liga frowned. I'd be able to answer the same question if it were about equilibrium nexus instead. The Tveshi name for the Guinya sounded odd on their tongue. Okay, then. What is your function within equilibrium nexus? Liga cleared their throat and steepled their hands in front of their lips. I do software development and coding, among other related tasks. Karata Mayanasi is exempt from the legal restrictions surrounding public safety video feed hacking, and because I'm in equilibrium, I'm also exempt. The interrogator paused. I think that Lee must not have known how to respond to Liga's answer. I know only the basics about equilibrium nexus now, and were I in a state to march to Karatao and demand a ride on a daraga so Lee could tell me everything, I would do so immediately. This is not the case, though, nor will it be for a while. It's excruciating to be on the cusp of good information. Could you explain the specific tasks you undertook in your role that are related to this case? Liga nodded vigorously. Certainly, I hacked into communication vans and computer accounts. Akhnitangi allowed me to install malware on Lurtech for easy access. I used a comban message to infect Akhisahutangi's ban with the same software. Software injections like this are routine. The Karata, for example, have done it. 
You will ask a follow-up question about the evidence we collected, and that's related to the bill being introduced in the Senate by Regent Dachangyi to revoke Code 1832-2917. I'm within my rights to withhold any further commentary until that happens. My daughter completed a friendship ritual with Akanitangyi, and I will protect their interests. Did Equilibrium Nexus withhold information to force the government's hand regarding Code 1832-2917? No. We got flattened their hands against the table. If there were no Code 1832-2917, fewer assassinations would happen and I wouldn't have to do this much work. After waiting about 10 seconds, Lee clicked their tongue and said, well, you think of the response, I can elaborate. Code 1832-2917 did not ultimately matter to us once we knew the target. Before we knew, I pushed back against others in equilibrium to protect my daughter and their friend. There's no blame in anything I did. The interrogator stayed silent. I strained to hear the sound of breathing, but the rustling of people around me prevented me from hearing it. It's only now, re-watching the testimony from the safety of my room with Zuka beside me, that I know the interrogator's breathing is too regular. Lee's nervous, according to Zuka. We've been speculating as to why, while I write. How could one of you go against the wishes of the collective for a relative that goes against everything that we know? Liga smiled. That proves only one thing. You know nothing. Do you have any other questions for me? Go back again to what you did. Could you explain it to me again without referencing code 1832-2917? Of course. I used communication bans and computer accounts, and I think before my previous explanation I'd mentioned the public safety videos, yes? That required some hacking, too. Akinitangi allowed me to install malware on their communication technologies, which I used to improve the range of what I could do. At one point, I used Akinitangi's Kanban to inject malicious software into Sehutangi's Kam. Afterward, I could see the messages Lee was sending and receiving. Akinitangi wore a bug. There's audio from every conversation that Lee had with Sehutangi, including several conversations of interest to the prosecution. The majority had nothing to do with the assassination. I submitted data files of the relevant conversations along with my pre-interrogation briefing. Lee cleared their throat. Is that all you wanted? Go back to what you said about Sahutangi's comband. You hacked into it and could read everything? Yes. In Akinutangi's testimony, Lee discovered Sahutangi's identity. If you had access to the comband messages, why didn't you have this information sooner? Ah, Liga said. Allow me to explain. In all of the messages, Sehutangi and Lur co-conspirators referred to the Fadakin as the Chava. It was shorter and less respectful, obviously. Sehutangi's papers only have a few mentions of the Fadakin. Okay, so go back. Tell me what happened after Akintangi gave you the information and intervened on Lorone. Liga put their hands down. We convened a meeting and decided to position counter-snipers along the route, along with some Highwilds technology for surveillance. You have the video we captured from the procession. We would have gone farther, but Advisor Tenesati contacted Karata Mianesi to ask about coordinating something to keep the Fadahin safe. The plan went as anticipated. We don't know how the Daybreak Assassin found their way into the Senate while it was closed. That isn't easy. They might have used the shipping area. So, on the other side, they had a network of conspirators. On your side, you are Zuka's father, and that led you to Akinitangi. How? 
Akinitangi called Sukha first. Sukha contacted me. I see. So, Akinitangi and Akasukha are friends. Karata Miyanesi and advisor Tenasadi obviously have the same connection. And you are mediating between the two because you are Karata Miyanesi's subordinate and Akasukha's father. Advisor Tenasadi has direct access to the Fadahin, and Karata Mianasi controls others like you. How did Akahnitangi know Advisor Tenasadi? Akahnitangi moved to Galasu to work for the progressive movement, and they met in that capacity. How did you know that the police wouldn't catch this? We had a contact. Had. Lee died when one of the explosions detonated. A lot of people died. Thank you. The conversation continues on for another eight minutes, during which the interrogator cycles back to the same questions over and over. I couldn't rewatch my own interrogation because that circular rhythm was excruciating enough the first time. I don't like looking at myself injured either. I prefer to think about the cream that I have and how easily it makes things heal. The court debated the outcome shortly after midday. The assassins will be executed. Some things are beyond rehabilitation, and if we allow them to live, we allow them to suck more life out of our nation. Sehutangi will die. I don't know how I feel about this. I fell in love with Lim, and I still love Lim, and I am marrying Kitesurti. Kitesurti is nothing like Sehutangi. Kitesurti is everything that my mother, father, matriarch want in my life. Kitesurti is worth the bride price for taking a woman out of another family. Sayutangi would never have been worth it. So much older than me. So much more scarred than me. So much less ambitious than me. And a part of me hates myself for saying that. And my thoughts keep circling around and around my death. Whether Liga and Karato and Tennis would mourn me for very long... What would happen to my family once they lost me? How many children I would leave behind? I have the sense that something is looming on the horizon and that it was set before I was even born. When Ligan looked into that camera for the first time, something just clicked into place. It's as if this has all already happened and the hours are just counting down. You have been listening to Epiphany by KBOM. For a text version, cultural notes, and to subscribe via RSS, please visit http colon slash slash kayeboesme.com slash epiphany.